said, shut the f*** up, I'm trying to record. All right. Hey, this is Ed Towns, comedian from Chicago, and you're listening to Jester Radio Network. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Josh. And we host Essay Questions, a show where every week we pick something good to read and use it as an excuse to have a conversation. Sometimes these are famous essays of historical importance, and sometimes they're more recent pieces that we just think are interesting. You know, it's kind of like college, except without all the fun. Yeah, hope to see you there every Monday morning on the Jester Radio Network. Hi, this is Alex Sakonikas from Bad Short, and you're listening to Jack King Off with Tony Valley. All right, welcome back. It's been a long time. Jack King off with Tony Valley and David Gavry sitting here across the table. As always, we've missed you guys. What's up, everybody? And I missed you, Gav. I mean, I've seen you a couple of times at Open Mic, but I went from seeing you once a week for a year straight to like three times in the last four months. Yeah, uh, man. Missed you too. Missed the podcast. Missed everything. Like it's, But at the same time, you know... Obviously, you had a more than good enough reason. Yeah, right. For those of you who don't know, uh, I had a baby. Well, my wife had a baby. Um, three. It's been three and a half months. The 23rd, it'll be four months. Super congrats, now, man. Now we celebrate four-month birthdays and fucking preschool graduations and all that other bullshit. So she's going to be four months. She's going to be four months. And uh, she's getting an award, actually, for turning four months. It's, wow. uh, it's quite the accomplishment for a human being to turn four months old. So a trophy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but no, so uh, had to do that. Um, we hit three years at the whip and uh, kind of sat back, assessed some of the mistakes that have been being made over the last three years and have been trying our damnedest to correct them over the last couple of months. And uh, it's just been night and day, night and day, night and day. I mean, uh, the kid really hasn't taken that much of a toll. She's on the boob. You know, <laughs> she's on the boob. I, I have that. no responsibility. <laughs> All I can do is try to help. Like I'll change a diaper here and there. The first five weeks, I nobody changed more diapers than me. Man, what's that like? Like, have you changed diapers before? Oh that? yeah, you I had a niece and a nephew. I've okay. had them since they were like home from the hospital, changing diapers on them. Uh, it's weird for the girl having a girl. Like uh, sometimes there's an explosion of diarrhea, <laughs> and it's from like belly button to. Asshole oh, to back man. crack. Belly oh, button to man. backbone. There you go. That's where it is. Belly button to backbone. And it's in everything you could imagine. <laughs> I'm a boy. If I if it's a pecker I gotta clean, I know how to clean one, okay? <laughs> I got one. But it's not a pecker. It's a vagina. And you'll notice that I call it a vagina now. I've been since I have a daughter. <laughs> it's been a pussy my whole life. And it's been a vagina for the last three and a half months. But uh we're talking all the diarrhea. Sorry to start the podcast, Ollie's, but it goes up and in, and oh, that's when man. I call the wife. I said, "This is you. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get in there and clean it out the right way, you know." But other than that, like I'm fine cleaning the baby. Like <laughs> he, he got Tony just power washing his own baby, dude. I I told her I go if if you don't do it, I'm just taking her in the in the sink and spraying it, you know. She's getting a bidet treatment, you know. I don't know what else to do. So aside from that, like uh, it's awesome, dude. Like she wakes up in the morning, I go in there, I give her a little smile, and I, I've never seen a human being smile at me that way. Do you know what I mean? Like it's I'm 43 years old, just turned July 6th. Congrats, thanks, buddy. I said July 6th, so you would say congrats. Happy, or happy, happy belated. All right. <laughs> um. So. I've never, no, no woman, nobody, nobody has ever looked at me like this kid looks up and smiles. It's, it's amazing, dude. It's, it just makes your day. Yeah. It's, uh, 
It's great. So yeah, and the whip is going in the right direction. We we rebranded the comedy there now. We used to have a couple of different comedy shows and we were trying to feature our headliners because, you know, I want people to know who these Chicago com- people should know who Kristen Toomey and Danny Callis and, and Joe Kilgallen and people like that are. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, that was my whole thing for 10 years in comedy. And uh, so I've always been trying to promote the comic. But to be honest, people don't know who they are. So nobody's coming out. Actually, Kilgallen draws. But uh, a lot of people aren't coming out for all those other Chicago names. So we decided to switch to a showcase style. Which is just like that. five of the best damn comics. Um, one night we had Kilgallen, uh, Toomey, uh, who the hell else? Ronnie Ray. Oh, wow. And Adam Burke. Nice. That was the lineup. I was like, this has to be <laughs> it's a cast of maybe the best lineup in the city tonight. <laughs> it was a Friday night. I mean, it was great. So uh, Those are all headliners. Absolutely. So wow. that's what we're trying to do now at The Whip. Thursday at 8, Friday and Saturday at 10, Chicago's finest stand-up, period. That's, that's great, it. man. Yeah, so um yeah, that's all. That's the way to do it. That's that's all. Just had a kid and uh whip is on top of the world. That's dude and and <laughs> so modest. The other it. thing is we were supposed to move into a podcast studio March first and it's been getting delayed, delayed, delayed. So by June we still weren't in there and I went out and I found another location. The other one was fifteen minutes from my house. This one is less than a cigarette walk. However long that is, I can I, I don't finish the cigarette from my house to here on foot. Um, this is a much bigger room than the other studio you saw. Uh, so I've been building and working in here, hanging up the phone, building. You know, it's it's great, so, man. And we've been adding more podcasts. Uh, so four are on the network. Wow. Three have been on hiatus. One guy's been taking the equipment over to his apartment and doing it there. But three shows have been on hiatus. All our numbers for our shows have doubled. Sweet. Well, we've been off. So people are picking up new people are picking up our show, which is awesome. Maybe you guys are telling your friends, which it has to be that. So I'll appreciate it because we haven't marketed shit in four months. <laughs> so it's got to be you guys telling your friends, hey, go check out these shows. Uh, so thank you for that. But uh, it looks like we're about to be at seven or eight podcasts wow. very soon. That's awesome. Yeah. All unique, all different, none the same. Uh that's what I'm trying to build with the network. So uh, to tell us what the hell has been going on with you. You started to talk. and I'm like, bullshit, dude. We need to <laughs> we need to talk about this on the podcast. It's good stuff. The listeners it's always funny. You're hear. like, yo, stop talking and wait until I push record. I'm yeah. Like, All right. OK. Our, our friends at home and in the car and at work need to hear this. This is uh, their old friend, <laughs> Dave, buddy. And good shit's happening for him. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think when people think of like, uh, you know, taking a hiatus, they, they just think that people are just, you know, goofing off and. Just playing whatever on the couch, like just being lazy, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's like you you clearly like you you had a child like that's <laughs> that's your way of taking a break, which is hilarious. It was a you, forced break. You do so much all the time. You have always so much on your plate. So a break for you is a uh, let's have a baby. <laughs> yeah, I took like five weeks off. <laughs> let's have and... a baby so I can take a break, which is, uh, you know, it's hilarious. It just shows like your your hustle. Like it's awesome. So I don't know. In that time. uh I, I've gotten uh, more and more serious with my girlfriend, and uh, you know, like this is a poker podcast. You know, we got gamblers and you know poker players, and I don't know. I've never ever even thought of like marriage and you know that kind. Of, like I never, I always thought like, nah, I'm just gonna be single my whole life. Like I'm okay, or like I'll have relationships, but I never want to get married. None of that shit. And uh, it's totally given me a different perspective. It's like you know, if I'm gonna take a gamble such as marriage, like. I'm going to find the right person to take that gamble with 
And I think I have. I think I have found that person. Who knows? Maybe by next episode, I'll, I'll be crying and <laughs> I'll be like, I made, a, I made the wrong gamble. I don't know, but I feel like, you know, it the is a gamble. bitch broke my heart. <laughs> it is a gamble and I'm ready to take the gamble. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. Like, I just don't know that world. Like, I don't know what that's like, but I'm uh, I'm ready for that journey. So when you first started playing poker, you didn't know that world. You didn't know what right. that was like and look where you wound up. You know, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So that, that's that been cool. Just spending a lot of time with her. And uh, I feel like she's made me a better person, more disciplined. And now I also have like now I'm not really playing for myself. Right. Like I, I have this like, OK, now there's like it's like this us, this like team thing. So it's like uh, if I do well, like both of us do well and we grow together. So it, it gives me a different type of motivation i think it's totally a team like uh i think uh i with this kid now <clears throat> gia her name's gia um with gia having gia it's like uh you think i was working hard before buddy you should see now like i'm skipping a day of sleep once a week for sure wow uh yeah it's it's been not because i'm taking care of the baby i don't want to sound like a negligent father but <laughs> I'm working that much harder. I want to show this kid how to follow yes. her dreams. Yes. Like if she knew the old me, that was the don't follow your dreams, follow the money. Uh-huh. And I worked in a job I wasn't necessarily that ecstatic about, and I made a lot of money. And who gives a shit? I was miserable. I wanted to kill myself, you know? Now I don't really have any money, but I these things that I'm hustling all day, it's I enjoy uh-huh. it. Yeah. So it's, I you know, I want to show the kid, like, this is how you live your life. You chase your dream. You some people think, yeah, you might never get there. Dude, if you're chasing your dream, you're there. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Forget the end result. We all want millions of dollars and we all want... That's not my dream. My dream yeah. is to do what I love to do for the rest of my life. And uh, I don't really give a shit how much money I make doing it. Yes. It'd be nice to have some security and some money, but I, I, I'd rather... I trade in the money for the happiness. Man, that's a good mindset. I, I think I've... I'm catching myself in because I, I do get in the mindset of like, now I need to make more money. Like if I'm playing poker, I need to be making this much money because eventually I want to be able to buy her a ring. Like I want to be able to do this. I want to be like, everything goes back to like, oh man, I need to be making a lot of money. And every time I start thinking that I play badly because I'm focusing on the money as opposed to just making good decisions. Yes. Um, and I wonder what that's like for you having a child. Like, do you ever get caught up in like, fuck man like i need diaper money i need you know to buy baby food like i need x amount of money i need to make this x amount of money per day doing my business and doing this and that so that i can support this child like is that does that stress ever get to you like and how do you deal with that once in a great great while but uh we were talking before we started about meditation which is one of the things i want to talk about uh on the main segment um the other one is hiatus right uh-huh. so uh through meditation I practice daily to get into the moment and out of my head. So I don't really have those thoughts anymore of how am I going to afford diapers? I'm 43, dude. I, I have pretty much everything I've ever wanted in my life. I got a, my a wife that I love. I got a baby. I, I, you know, I got a roof over my head. Uh, I got clothes on my back. I eat every day. I own a comedy club. I have everything I've ever wanted. And uh, all the worrying I ever did never got me here. It was the hustling and the staying in the moment and the letting it happen. So am I worried about diapers? No, it's, she'll have them. How? I don't know yet. I'll, it'll happen though. It's gonna, I, I work too hard to not make it happen. I trust in how hard I work to make this happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So uh, that for me came through meditation because I was a mindy person before. Like I would lay in bed all night, not sleeping, thinking about the bullshit. Yeah. How am I going to afford this? God, I really want this one day and I want a house this big and I want to travel here. And how am I going to afford it? And how am I going to that's non-productive thought. You're not getting anywhere thinking like that. So that's when you go into meditation. Let me learn to clear my mind. Yeah. Let me breathe. Let me focus on being here and now and not in my head. It's all meditation is. Everyone thinks it's this big, crazy, what do you do? How do you do it? Dude, just be silent for a little while, a minute, 10 seconds. You can do it while you're in the car. Stop and breathe three breaths and clear your brain for a second. That's all. Just get in the practice of not thinking all that bullshit because it's, it's non-productive thought. Um, you want to say something and then we'll take a break and come back and really get into this. Yeah. I mean, I would say being in a serious relationship has definitely motivated me to be healthier. And I think that also helps being a better poker player. Like the whole, like being disciplined, waking up at a, at like the same time every day and like, you know, just eating good food, doing some exercise, doing like now when I wake up, like immediately I'm, I'm doing like a little bit of work. Like there's a, there's a little workout app that I downloaded. It's called seven minute workout. It's the shit. Like it's like anyone who, anyone who's like too lazy to go to the gym, you are not too lazy to do at least seven minutes of like, no, you don't need weights, nothing, just yourself and like your living room and you're fine. And so I do that. That just kind of like wakes me up, gets the blood flowing. And then after that, I downloaded a meditation app called Calm. <laughs> and and uh, just because I had no idea how to like do like quote unquote, like do it right. So uh, I do the exercise and then as a cool down, I meditate. And uh, it, the part that sucks is when you're still going to have bad days, but I still, but in the past, if I had a bad day, I'd really let it get to me and I would let it see, like it would affect like the next week or even two weeks, maybe the next month. And as of, whereas now it's like, oh, that was a shitty day. All right. Uh, I wake up the next day charged and like, like feeling positive and ready to rock. You know, remember when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. If you keep meditating on that kind of stuff, your bad days, you'll stop seeing them as bad days. I yeah. mean, what the fuck is your bad day? I mean, we really shouldn't get into this right now, but I mean, seriously, <laughs> what is your bad day? Because for whatever you tell me your bad day is, I can find you thousands <laughs> Of people who got a far shittier day right. than you are. Absolutely. That, no, no, no. I'm not just saying that have a shittier day than you, but are carrying a way better positive attitude about their shitty day mm -hmm. than you are about yours. Yeah. Like there's people way lower than you that are waking up smiling. Some people are really religious and praying to the Lord and God bless Jesus and I love life and life is awesome. It's like, oh my God, your life is horrible. How are you so happy? Right. It's like you're having a shitty day and it's you're letting it ruin your fucking day, you know? Mm. Some of these people haven't eaten in two days, and but you had a rough day because you're you got a flat tire on your Lexus, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I had a fucking flat tire again today. Yeah, like, okay, on your Lexus. Shut the fuck up, dude. Like it's not a shitty day. It's uh Right. Like there was a quote by Eckhart Tolle, the uh the power of now guy, yeah. and he said, uh there are no such thing as problems. There are just situations yeah. that you just deal with. Don't, and, stop judging. Yeah. You know, as soon as you stop judging, you stop, uh, oh, this is good. This is bad. Like, what are you looking for? You know, why, why when your team wins the World Series, do you allow yourself to have this unbelievable range of emotion? But you can't have that when you look at your daughter in the morning or you look at your wife 
or you're grateful that you have a job. But no, the Cubs won, and now I am the happiest I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life right now. And that's probably going to last, I don't know, a few hours. Right. And then back to my shitty life and my flat tire on my Lexus. <laughs> and it's like, why can't you allow yourself to get that excited that you have a job, you're making money, you have a wife, you have a kid, you have a car, you eat, all that stuff. So, like, that's kind of... I was the biggest Hawks fan my whole life, and since I started on this, uh, you know, philosophical journey over the last 11 years, it's like the Hawks winning the cup for me was lower than my wife is like, are you not excited? I'm like, yeah, I'm excited, but it, it doesn't compare to the things that I have. Right. Those are way better than a group <laughs> of these people I've never met in my life. Yeah, that don't even know you. That don't know me. I know it's our team and we won. You know, but, <laughs> but it's not, I have nothing to do with it. You know, all the years of me cheering didn't do anything for them. So it's like, uh, yes, I was excited. Yeah, it was cool, but not as cool as I feel like the other things in my life are. Holy shit. I get to eat food every day. That's fucking amazing. You know, I'm breathing. My eyes are open and I can see, I have my hearing. What the fuck? That's way better than any of my teams that I follow winning world series or Stanley Cup or Super Bowl ring. I don't know. And I wasn't like that. I was the biggest sports fanatic in my life growing up, dude. Like horribly fanatical. <laughs> but I needed those things to be excited to give me excitement. If if my team lost playing softball, dude, I was miserable. If, and if I didn't have a game for another day or two, fuck, I carried that misery of losing with me. And it's like, man, that stuff is so menial yeah, like to it, me now. So like, I guess the lesson from that is to stop looking for happiness outside of you because it's all within you. Yeah, it is. And that's a good time to take a break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alex Saganico from Bad Shotty, where we roast all the favorite fantasy characters that you can even imagine. Very uh, fan-driven. You can email us at realbadshorty at gmail.com, and we will roast anything and everything that you want us to roast. You just send them in and make sure they're not real, and we will give them the old good huh-huh. All right? Here on the Just Your Radio Network. Thank you. All right, we're back, and uh, God, we were talking about a lot of philosophical shit, but like the, one of the main things I wanted to talk about was hiatus. We took four months off. Did we have to sit down and practice talking about podcast <laughs> stuff? Did we forget how? how to fucking podcast? You know what I mean? No. Like, uh, a lot of people are afraid to take breaks from things, but for me, God, it, I think it made me better things like i was just running and running and running and running i was burning the candle at both ends my body my brain i needed a break and i got that mentally i took five weeks off dude i didn't really answer calls about the whip i didn't talk about the i avoided it was maybe a little irresponsible being a business owner in the first three years still you know uh but i needed it dude and i feel like i've come back stronger and i think poker players also might be afraid to take a hiatus, especially if you got that little gambling tick inside your brain. I know for me, it's like when I used to have like a alcohol problem and gambling problem, it was like, uh, if I miss fear of missing out, you know, mm -hmm. if I don't play tonight, tonight could be the night I become a millionaire. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to fucking go. So it's like those little excuses. And it's like, no, man, maybe you're so absorbed in it you need to take 
take a week off. Clear your brain. Don't think about poker. Don't think about gambling. Don't think about any of that shit and just take a fucking break. You're not going to forget everything you've worked for up to this point. But uh, that reset button, it's almost like rebooting the computer and your brain is the computer, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's good to just have a, a balance in your life, too. Like, if you're just all in, like, this one thing, like poker or whatever your thing is, but you're you're neglecting relationships with, you know, intimate relationships or even just friendly relationships and uh, other th- other aspects of your life are not getting the attention that they need, like, it's going to affect the thing that you're really, really into. So, so branch out and do all these other things, too, and I think it'll make you, like, a, just a more ra- well-rounded person and a better player once you're at the table. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you mentioned a team with your, you know what I mean? And uh, within your relationship that you guys are a team. Like it's kind of how Britt and I go into this thing. Uh, a friend of mine's wife and man, I was so against what she was saying when she was saying it to me. And she, you know, I said, uh, she was getting married and I was and talking about having kids. And I was like, all the things people told me, like, oh, there goes your life and you got to give up this and give up that. And she goes, uh, and I said, like, children first. And she goes, no, parents first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, children first. Like, that's the way I was raised, you know, like uh-huh. you give up your life for your kids and then you pour your heart and soul and you drop everything and you taxi them around. And she was like, no, the parents have got to be first. If the parents aren't happy in a good unit, then the kids are going to suffer. And uh, I've taken that to another level. And I say selfishly that you have to be first. So I've always drilled home with Brit. Yeah, we're a team, but we have me over here, you Uh over there, and then there's our team. But unless you are not not happy, you know, you got to focus on you. If you're not happy, you bring that to our team. You know what I mean? And, uh-huh. and if I'm not happy, I bring that to our team. We, who wants a team of unhappy people? Right. So first and foremost, focus on yourself. Be happy. Do the things in your day that you enjoy. Find the joy in your day. When you bring that to your relationship and your team, it, it just makes that better. And then that trickles down to the kids. And uh, no, the kids aren't first because the next thing you know, you're a miserable dad. And the kid sees that. Dad's never home. Dad's miserable. Dad stops at the bar after work to drink away his sorrows. Yeah. Like, if dad didn't have any sorrows, that kid isn't dealing with any of that shit. Yeah, man. Like, it, it free, like I think, sometimes I think too far ahead. <clears throat> but I, I think, <laughs> like, I, I start to worry about, like, okay, like, I know one day I do want to have kids. Like, not anytime soon, but I know in the near future, yes. And because of that, it makes me want to work harder now because I, I want... I don't want my kids to think like, oh, he's a failure or like, what a loser. Like I want, I want to be accomplished at whatever I'm working at by the time I have, by the time they're old enough to see like, I don't know, I guess my results of my hard work or something. I don't know what that, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's like, no, I know where you're going. I want them to be like, oh man, that's pretty cool. He did that and he did that and he did that. And, uh, so it makes me, I'm like, oh shit, I have to like, I have to like really hustle like today so that maybe 10 years from now they can they can be proud of the things that I've done. That's up to you and how you raise your kids. If you raise your kids financially focused, then in 10 years, if you're not making a lot of money doing what you're doing, yeah, they might look at you as a loser. Yeah. But don't raise your kids financially focused. And maybe you should stop looking at success yeah. as equal to finances. It's not. It's isn't just doing what you love and getting by is, isn't getting by. Okay. What don't you have, dude? 
You know what I mean? Like uh, we always want more. Focus on what you do have. Like I said, I got a roof over my head. What more do I need? Uh, There was a TED talk. I don't remember the name of the guy, but he was talking about levels of happiness. You know, like how happy can you get? So uh, if you were stranded in the woods, freezing, you got no clothes on, and then there's this little shack, a 10 by 10 room. The guy's got a fireplace. He invites you in, gives you some clothes, some blankets, puts you in front of the fireplace. That's about as happy as you can be in a situation like that. Now, would you be happier if I got you a 20 by 20 room and a bigger fireplace and maybe more expensive clothes? Would that elevate your level of happiness? No. Some people would say yes. And I'd I'd say you've been tricked by consumerism. Yep. Like you can't be internally more happy. You're, You're out of the cold. You're warm. It don't matter if you're in a mansion. It don't matter if you're in a shack. But if you pass those values on to your kids that it does matter, it does matter how big your fucking house is. It does matter how many cars you have and what kind of cars you have. If that's how you raise your kids, then yeah, you they you might be a loser one day. Look at dad. He spent 10 years doing comedy, not making any money. What the hell's the matter with that guy? Why didn't he get a job? Mm-hmm. If that's how you raise your kids, yeah, but I, I hope my daughter admires no matter what, fuck what I got in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But in 10 years, that'll mean that I'm doing this business for 21 years. I'll take it. What more do you want? The fact that you're still around. Yeah. You're still in business. I got a roof. It's hard enough just to stay in business. People forget that. Yeah. I got a roof. We got a car. I eat. The kid eats. I mean, what? What? What more? You know? So, I mean, if you want to sit around and focus on always wanting more, (laughs) I think that's the problem at the poker table. That was my problem when I really had more. I was more of a gambler than a poker player. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I wanted more. Oh, I won 300. I want 600. Now I'm at six. I want 12. Now I'm at 12. Whoops. I'm at zero. Whoops. I'm at negative three. Whoops. I'm at negative six. Cause I was always wanting the more. It was never enough. And it's like, I feel like that's that, that consumerism again uh-huh. at its best and being a, an American. Hey, uh, I love what I got. It's awesome. Oh, wait, my neighbor got one better. Fuck, I'm miserable. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Now I got to go get the next new one. Well, that's how they get you. They they tr- convince you that what you have isn't good enough so that you buy more shit. His, his name <laughs> was Al- tricked into buying more shit. That's his, it. His name was Alfred Bernays. He was the nephew of Sigmund Freud. He's uh, in his 20s. He was one of the top marketing executives in the uh-huh. country. People look at him. Marketing people look at him as the godfather of marketing. So uh, Sigmund Freud sends his nephew, hey, can I borrow some money for this book I'm writing? He gives him the loan. Freud sends him this book back on the on the brain and human psychology and how we think. Alfred Bernays invents two major things in marketing. Uh, one was um, you need something you don't need. So you have a new car mm-hmm. and three years later, you need another new car. Not that that car is not going to last you the whole, your whole life. But he was the one who kind of invented the keeping up with the Joneses marketing, you know, the rat race marketing. Um, The other thing he did was if you were just doing a Colgate commercial before Alfred Bernays, it was here's Colgate. Here's what it does. Educational. Yeah. Informational. Use it. Don't use it. Go fuck yourself. Whatever. Alfred Bernays comes along. Now, you ever find yourself asking, what the fuck does that commercial have to do with the product? Uh That's Alfred Bernays. So you see a family dropping off a son at the train station. He's in his army gear. (laughs) Mom is crying. 
The little sister is holding on to his leg. Dad gives him a firm handshake and a salute. He picks up his bag and a fucking box of Colgate falls out. Colgate. He put the emotional strings atta- attachment to products. That was Alfred Bernays. Like, Google him. He's I'm a glad, son of a bitch, dude. I'm glad you brought up Colgate. Uh, while on hiatus... <laughs> I need while, to brush my No, teeth. no, check this out. While on hiatus, he recommended a book that I should read called The Power of Habit. Oh, yeah. And I, I read the book. Isn't it and, awesome? Oh, man. Wait, like, did you read it or listen to it. it? Man, it's the same shit. No, it is it's not the, the fucking same thing, dude. <laughs> hey, people listen to this podcast. I can listen to a book. Yeah. <laughs> same kind of information. But All the right. thing that was very interesting... They're not, they're not reading this podcast, though. Here's dude. what was fascinating, is that the the toothpaste industry, multi-billion dollar industry, because they got people to feel that they needed this thing. Right. But like, but like before like 19, like 10, I don't know, somewhere around then, let's, let's just say before 100 years ago, people right. were not brushing their teeth. Right. And so they came out with this thing that they said, hey, you need to brush your teeth because you have a film on your teeth after eating all this stuff. Right. And this toothpaste gets rid of that film. Don't you want a nice shiny smile? Right. People were like, fuck yeah, I want a nice shiny smile. Uh-huh. And so they got they, they, they got in the habit of, okay, well, uh, let's make it a habit of brushing your teeth twice a day so, so that you don't have this film to maintain this beautiful smile of yours. Right. And people were like, hell yeah, I want to do that. And then on top of that, they added foaming agents to the toothpaste to really make you feel like it's working. Like it's doing something. They do it to shampoo too. Like shampoo does not have to foam, but because of the foaming aspect of it, people are like, hell yeah, this is, I'm really getting my clean on. Like yeah. this is really, and they apply that to Febreze and all kinds of oh, crazy the Febreze products. Febreze story. They almost gave so up. So interesting. They almost yeah. gave up on Febreze <laughs> yeah. until some brilliant guy real. Well, this makes sense. Again, getting back into how your brain, how the psychology of your brain, how the chemistry of your brain works and how you get used to stuff, stuff becomes habit to you. Mm-hmm. People with smelly homes don't know they have smelly homes. They're used to it. It's like the guy with really bad B.O., he's used to the smell. <laughs> he doesn't smell that horrible, rotten smell that everybody else smells. He's grown accustomed Mm-hmm. to it and so they were trying to go into people which it's bad smelling homes with febreze and being like hey your house smells like shit you need to spray <laughs> this stuff and they'd be like no my house smells fine get the fuck out of here so then they started marketing it more like your house you're not done cleaning right until you febreze Freshen. clean it add a little freshness yep. to your clean yep. just so. attacking the habit centers of people to make them grow accustomed to this product by habit Right. It was a genius. Like it was. It's horrible. It's maniacal. Yeah, but it's maniacal. Okay. Yeah. Fine. So fascinating. But like, uh, it's, they've, there's enough data and statistics. We've studied the brain long enough and we know how to manipulate it. The power habit is a great example of what marketing people have known for a very long time. We don't buy Nike because they're the best. We buy Nike because we're most friendly with them. We've seen them the most. We know them. I mean, the average American is exposed over 300 advertisements every Sickening, single day. Man. It makes me sick. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like your kid knows its cousin. Well, my kid's going to know Nike and Gatorade if I allow the kid to sit there watching commercial television and to, you know, go through uh, the phone all day. And my kid's going to know Nike and Gatorade just as well, if not better, than she knows her cousins. Yeah. I don't know how we got on this tangent, but. Uh, I guess consumerism and uh, just having to focus on buying stuff or the things as opposed to the process. But I want to ask you, like, if there is a downside to taking a hiatus, I don't know. I want to know the thing that I have a problem with after I do take a long break from whether like stand up or poker is that when I do come back, I want immediate. I want the results that I had before I took the break. And I want to just immediate like 
if I don't play poker for like two weeks, I want to I want to win that session. The the one day that I do finally come back. If I don't do stand up for like a week, when I come back, I want to kill. And I want to know how how do you get out of that mental space of just okay, you took a break, but now back to the process as opposed to the result. I'll let you answer your own question. Go back and say that Eckhart Tolle quote again. Okay, you're, you're judging. You're putting. Yeah. Listen, you're doing comedy. Okay, uh-huh. that's you're getting on a stage. You're telling jokes. You know that nothing in life is perfect. Nothing. It's impossible. Nothing's perfect. So that means you're not going to kill every single time. So you're going to have a range from good from good to bad and sometimes great. Just being ecstatic with the fact that you get to do it should be your reward. That's not enough for David. David <laughs> needs to fucking kill. Guess what, kid? Unrealistic. Okay? <laughs> Stop setting up unrealistic expectations on yourself and then judging every situation. Be in the moment. You're on stage. There's the glory. You want the reward. Mm-hmm. You want the big house to show your kids how successful you are. Yep. yep. Be in the moment, <laughs> on stage, in its glory. It's the biggest high in the world. It's better than any drug I've ever tried, and I've only tried like two of them, but it's <laughs> it's better than any alcohol, any drug. It's uh, right up there with sex as far as the feeling you get uh, internally, not externally, unless you're jerking it while you're on stage. But internally, it's up there with sex as far as how great it feels to be on stage. You know, if you bomb, well, that comes with the territory, like go get better. If you lose money at the poker table, it comes with the territory. Go get better. Go correct the mistakes you're making. Analyze. We talk about reflection at the end of every single season. That isn't just for the sake of our podcast. It's to remind you guys to reflect. Dave, you, after doing a stand-up set or a poker session, you do the meditation before, you do the reflection after. And you sit back and you say, okay, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? Be grateful for the shit that you did right because that reinforces it mentally. If you remind yourself, man, I made that move. That was such a cool, great move. And then the next time you play, you're like, hey, don't forget, man, you made that badass move. Reinforcing, reinforcing. Instead of the negative, man, I suck. How the fuck did I lose? How did I let that fucking fish donk out on me? How the fuck did I? That's bad habit you're creating in your brain. You know what I mean? Stick with the positive stuff. Analyze, reflect, fix, move forward. That's... You know, you're nodding your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it looked like you were soaking it in for a minute, but yeah, it's like it's almost like I get this high of like, oh man, like all this hard work and it's paid off. And then once I like have to, once you have to go back to square one, I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta like start all over again. Like I really enjoyed that that tip of the iceberg, but I um, I tend to forget all the shit that led to that glory glorified moment. And uh, sometimes I think I just lose patience. I'm just like, I just want that that high of the accomplishment as opposed to soaking all of it in and not re- and almost being indifferent to the accomplishment. Like, there, so that your next book, I would say that you should read is Enjoy the Ride. I've talked about it on this podcast before. Enjoy the ride. It's it, it, it's more trying to get your mindset in the moment instead of on the goal and the prize, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, I feel like that's where you're at. It's like you're, yeah. you're constantly look, looking for better because it's like chasing the dragon for her heroin addicts. You're going to get that high and you're going to hit a certain level of success 
and it's going to be like, awesome, I, I got here. And then after a little while, it wears off. Just like when your team wins the World Series, that high doesn't stay with you. It, it, it kind of wears off a little bit. And then you're chasing the next one. How do, I, how do I get more of this drug? How do I get more of this chemical my brain just pumped into my body? And uh, now you need more. Now you need uh, two World Series and uh, maybe an MVP <laughs> on your team. Like I... It's it's it, it's something that's never enough for we'll call humans. it we'll call it Phil Hellmuth syndrome. We'll yeah, just, just yeah. Got to get more bracelets. Got to get more. It's it's never enough. When uh-huh. when I'm not saying don't keep setting goals and don't keep trying to achieve, but when are you going to sit back in the moment of life and allow yourself to be ecstatic about life? Why is it always something? I didn't win at poker. I bombed at comedy. I want. You're the one creating the rules that are telling you when you are allowed to be happy or not. You know, look at Andy Huang, right? We had him as a guest on uh, season three, I think. Uh, He just made it to like day four. I don't know what happened, but on his Facebook, he said he made a really bonehead move or some bullshit. Right? Did you read that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Andy Huang was on our podcast and he made it to day four of the main events. And he's played like he played in the the $100,000 one drop. Yeah, He's played in some really big tournaments before. And. Made it to day four, and then yeah, I saw his Facebook something about him busting out. But still, he made it in the money. Like day right, three, you were was like, the bubble. you were like so happy for that guy on Facebook, and like, oh, my buddy Andy Wang, Wang really cool. made it to day four. Dude, like grew like, up down the street from us. Right. So why did that? Why did you? What in you made it okay for you to be excited about that? Like you're not ex- as excited sometimes doing a set of comedy because maybe you bombed that night, uh-huh. dude. You're doing something that a good portion of people are sitting in, in at their jobs dreaming of. Man, I wish I would have picked up that guitar more when I was younger. Man, I wish I had the balls to get on stage. Man, I want to be an actor or an actress or a rock star. I I worked with people like that when I was at Motorola. I heard all of their dreams and it was like, yeah, I want to be a comic. Why the fuck am I here? I'm not being a comic. <laughs> so it's like, how is that not the little shack? Uh-huh. The little shack, you were out naked and cold. Now you're in this little shack. That little shack is you doing comedy. The bigger shack is bombing or being great or not being great, but like killing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's like, dude, be happy you got the shack. You get on stage. You get to tell jokes. You do it fairly regular. You know, a lot of people do it once a week. And like, I'm a comic and I'm happy with that. Like, you're... Pursue actively pursuing. If if like we were to do a couch session here, like a David Gavry on the couch, <laughs> it shows by like your your record of seventy three open mics in a month. Like who does that? Like someone who's chasing maybe. And I'm I'm just yeah. talking out loud. I'm not saying I'm perhaps right. yeah absolutely just brainstorming. Uh huh. But maybe it's that you know. And now you you just told me earlier uh, before we started the show that you've been okay taking a couple of days off and. You know, not being upset about it and like getting back on stage and it's not like, oh shit, I haven't performed in two days. Am I going to be as good? Well, I credit that to you, what you told me a while back. You said, because I I used to, you know, the whole hiatus thing, like anytime I would take a hiatus from something, as soon as I got back, I would be in my head and I'd be like, fuck, I I took time off. Now I'm going to be rusty. I'm not going to be as good because I took time off. Like I was telling myself that, therefore I was manifesting that. I was putting that out there that I'm not going to be good today because I haven't been doing this for a couple of weeks. And then you told me, you said, hey, man, like you've done this plenty of times. You know what you're doing. You know how to do this. 
And ever since I've gone in there with that mindset, it totally eases the anxiety of, hey, I know what I'm doing. I've, I've done this before. I don't care how much time I take off. I've done this before. Like you said, it's like riding a bike. Like I'm, I'm hopping back on and I know what I'm going to do. Sure, I might make a couple of uh, mistakes here and there or whatever, but like I know what I'm doing. And I'm not going to tell myself that, oh, man, unless I do this for two weeks straight after taking two weeks off, I'm going to be good. Like instead of telling myself that, I'm just going to tell myself I know what the hell I'm doing because I've done enough of this. So I don't care how much time I take off. It's going to be okay. Yeah, you you are allowing yourself to accept and believe information. So you credit me, but I credit you because like lots of people tell you stuff. You actually took something I said and said, you know what? I agree with that. I'm going to accept this knowledge, this wisdom as part of my repertoire in my life now. And when you applied it, it sunk in and it worked. But when you apply, oh shit, I'm going to suck. That <laughs> works too. It's you're the creator of your universe, dude. Whatever you tell yourself, whatever box you put around yourself, I'm not happy until I have this. Okay, you're making that rule, dude, because there's other people who are happy with a lot less. What give them the power to be happy with nothing and you have everything and you're a miserable prick because you're setting the rules. You're setting this box that you live in. I'm only going to be happy if I have this. I won't be happy till I get that. Uh, if I don't do this, my life's going to suck. It's like you keep telling yourself that and it's going to be true. But if you keep telling yourself that life is pretty fucking awesome and I have this and I have that and I have this thing and I get to do that thing. That's what takes that's what like settles into you, man. And it just starts to become practice. It starts to become normal to you. It's like part of your foundation. Yeah. And that's, again, back to the meditation thing. I like to meditate in the car before I go into the poker room. I like to meditate in the morning. I've sat in bed for an hour. I won't get out until like I'm right-minded. We go back to, like I said, being a little bit selfish. Why the hell do I want to go through my day in a shitty mood? I'm not getting out of bed. I'll stay there until... And I know not everybody... You got to be at work by nine or you're going to get fired. I get it. Not everybody can do that. But I don't want to get out of bed and interact with people. If I'm in a grumpy, life sucks, why the fuck am I doing this mood? And I get there sometimes, but that's when you meditate. You sit there and you wait until you get right-minded and you get out of bed grateful and thankful that you're alive and breathing and have a wife and have a kid and get to eat and have a roof. And uh, my house didn't flood. A lot of my friends on Facebook's house flooded, man, that live up in like uh, Lake Villa or Villa Park or whatever's over there by the river. But it sounds like a place that would flood. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of, we'll go with the, yeah. <laughs> if you live in a lake something area, it's, yeah. you're going to get flooded. Right. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> I could always sit here. I can sit here every day, Gavry, and find shit to be pissed off about and bitch and moan about. You know, I could. I could do it so easy. But I can also sit here and find all the things that are pretty great in my life. So it's like uh, I'd rather focus on that stuff now. I used to be a complainer and a bitcher and a moaner. And the universe just kept giving me more things to bitch and complain and moan about. And since I stopped that, it's like uh, the universe is giving me more things to be grateful for or more of the things I'm already grateful for. So it's, uh, again, back to change the way you look at yes. things, the things you look at change. Um, we should take a quick break. A girl realized that she had grown hair between her legs. She got worried and asked her mom about the hair. Her mom calmly said that part where the hair is grown is called monkey. Be proud that your monkey has grown hair. The girl smiled. At dinner, she told her sister, My monkey has grown hair. Her sister smiled and said, That's nothing. Mine has already eaten bananas. 
Hey there. While you're listening to this podcast or other Jester Radio Network podcasts, check out YesIAmShow.biz and take a look at everything we do, from stand-up trivia to comedy, music, and more. Sign up for our mailing list at YesIAmShow.biz. All right, we're back. And uh, I know sometimes that Gavry and I don't necessarily talk about poker, but we genuinely believe that what we're talking about, the phil- the, phil- the philosophy, you can't say that word, the philosophy and the getting your mind right and all that stuff applies to the poker table. Uh, like I said earlier about being selfish first, making sure you're happy and finding the joy in your day makes your relationship better, has a trickle effect on your kids, better family environment but also the things you do in life, like playing poker. If you're a miserable son of a bitch and you got to get drunk to be happy and all you do is think about your problems and you bring that to the poker table, I don't think you're going to play that great. And uh, if you're in a happy mood and life is good and everything's going great and you're right-minded, you're going to play much better poker than the other guy. And I'm I'm not saying you're going to be a winning player just by having a happy attitude like... Yeah, you might need to read more books. You might need to watch some film. You might need to do whatever it takes to get better. But you're giving yourself a better chance being right-minded than you are being fucked up thinking about horrible shit. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me because in the world of comedy, there's this like myth that like you have to be miserable in order to be a great comic. And uh, if you want, you know, looking at switching to poker, guys like Stu Unger, those guys, like the really... Uh, I don't want to say demented, but like the uh, damaged. Uh, what word am I looking for? Just, fucked up. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that... blue collar. Fucked up. That's all. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, like we're all a little fucked up, but some people are a little more fucked up, and guys yeah. like Stu Unger were a little more fucked up. And I feel like that's also a myth in <laughs> poker. It's like you kind of have to have that sickness in order to be like a great poker player. You got to be a fucked up gambler. Like yeah, edgy. And, like yeah. And I I think if you look at the guys who are at the top of the poker world today, who are at the top of their field, they're they're they're, they're healthy people. They're they're positive minded people. Like they they do like work out and yoga and meditate and they eat healthy and like they're treating their bodies. They're they're doing the best that they they're putting this, themselves in the best position that they can in order to to have the best session that they can. Whether or not they have a good session that day, they're they're priming themselves. They're laying a positive foundation so that they can go out and do their best. And I just think that it be, it's a myth that you have to be a little fucked up in order to be a great poker player, a great comic, or whatever it is that you do. With comedy, I feel like you have need, <laughs> you needed to have experienced it. Okay, like um, uh, <laughs> those real low lows, like uh-huh. uh. To be able to have experienced that and to find the humor in it, I think is uh, where where a good comic comes from, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like uh, with poker, no. Why does being fucked up have you know? I guess because of the edginess. Well, let me play like devil's... a normal person wouldn't make that call. What's wrong with this fucking guy? You know, he's putting his whole life on the line. Holy shit, he won! That's amazing. You know, I'll, like, play, I'll play devil's advocate with you. Yeah, please. Okay, so in comedy. If you experience the more pain you experience and if you're able to have the skill to find the funny in it, you'll be a better comic. What about for a poker player 
the worst hands that you have experienced? Like maybe you, you got involved in a really big pot and you were there. The opponent had a 1% chance of winning and then bam, caught the case card to beat you. Once you experience that, and if you have the ability to turn that around and bounce back from that, maybe that makes you a better poker player. Would that be the same comparison? I don't think. I think it's apples to oranges. You're comparing somebody like going through maybe abuse when they were a kid okay. as opposed to some guy getting bad beated or sucked out on at a table. Like, like You okay, would have to compare life to pain, a bomb. Life pain as yeah. opposed to, okay. Why I think the life pain has so much to do with it is because that's what comics do. We take things that happened to us that were really horrible. We turn them into funny situations. You get a comic. That's why it's hard for a lot of adults to watch like a young 20-something-year-old comic. It's not because of their age. It's because of their experience. How can I relate with this fucking kid who's mm -hmm. complaining about his job at McDonald's and that's like all he's done in life? Like, I've lost relatives. I've seen people die. I'm, I'm making stuff up right now. But I'm just saying, when you've seen those things, you become more relatable to the audience. And as a comic, you don't just want to make people laugh. You want to connect emotionally. That's what makes some of the great ones great. Mm -hmm. They hit a nerve. They touch a spot where it's like emotionally you can connect with this comic and uh, young 20 somethings, not that they don't exist, but some some comics who are that young have not experienced enough tragedy to be able to relate to an audience. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it necessarily makes them more funny on stage or it makes them a better comic, but makes them more relatable to a bigger audience, especially mm -hmm. people older, you know, like if. Who who's sixty years old wants to listen to this forty year old kid talk about stupid fart jokes? No, but when I could talk about you know losing my wife to breast cancer, which I didn't, I'm just saying like com I know comics who have, and it's like now you're relatable. Don't matter what age you are, we've all lost somebody to cancer. Oh my god, now you're making it funny. Oh my god, now you just took some of my pain away because now I'm looking at it like you just said it funny, and you you actually kind of are healing as a comic people in that sense of pains that they can share with you and holy shit, you just made it funny. Um, so like I said, I don't know if it makes you more funny, but it definitely makes you more relatable and maybe more popular at that point because more people are going to want to listen to you. Mm. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I, like, got... I like the idea of being able or experiencing pain and then being able to turn it into a funny thing so that other people that you can lessen their pain. Right. So what are translating it to poker? How, right. what can the, what, I guess what really makes a, like a top tier, like what must the, the poker player go through in life in order to, to become, you know, this, this higher level player. Show me a kid who's been fucked over a lot. A kid that grew up getting screwed over a lot by people, maybe by family. Someone who's very protective of themselves, put him at the poker table or her at the poker table. And I'll bet that would be something that would be a positive benefit to you as a poker player. Like, uh, I grew up in a very trusting environment. I trust everybody, dude. And I've been fucked over a lot of times as an adult because I'm just a trusting person. I don't really care as much. I'm not talking like I've never been fucked over like financially. It's just like you help someone out so much and then when you need help, they're not there, whatever. But it's like at a poker table... You're maybe a little more protective now, not trusting these people around the table. Like I, I'm a pretty trusting guy. You know, if you tell me something at the poker table, <laughs> you're gonna believe it. I well, I used to maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, I got aces. Okay, and then you flip them over after I fold, and it's like, oh, you fucking idiot. But someone who uh, who's been screwed over a lot growing up, I would assume they might be more protective of uh, trusting people 
So yeah. someone who's guarded, someone who's like, yeah. who has a natural ability to be guarded, to, to hide their emotions at the table. Someone who grew up in an overprotective household. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think I get a little bit of my poker skill. I lied a shit ton to my parents growing up and I became a really good liar <laughs> to my parents. I was not a good liar to, I can't lie. I, like I've been saying that for a long time. I feel like people can tell when I'm lying. Like I feel like I get this face. But growing up, lying to mom a lot about, you know, she wouldn't let me cross the street over here when I was 10. Well, I'm going across the street, all right? So lying to my mom maybe has helped me at the poker table of, okay, you're just lying to your mom right now, dude. You know, like, that's <laughs> all. Sell it. <laughs> you just Sell picture it. every opponent as your mother. You just <laughs> Yeah, like there's, there's traits that you pick up as a kid that probably, not probably, for sure, help someone become a better poker player but are there things that you couldn't learn you know with comedy i feel like it's you really need to feel that hurt with poker you might just need to learn hey man every fucking player at the table is lying to you okay do not trust anybody that it could be a learned behavior for you mm-hmm. i think why poker comes more naturally to some people than others is some of the things we're talking about in their upbringing, like they've been developed into good poker players because of their shittier upbringing than some other kids. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. But yeah. I'm not saying any of that shit can't be learned, but you can't learn pain. Yeah. You can't learn the pain of losing someone to cancer. You know what I mean? You can't teach that to somebody. I feel like most things with poker you can teach. It's It's not all instinctual or learned behavior from your upbringing. So it just comes through repetition. Like you again, going back to like if you set yourself some time in the morning to just lay a positive foundation for the day ahead, then when when you go out there and get your reps in or whatever, like you're you're in a better headspace to to get the most out of your day or your session or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish that day. And even though maybe you've been through a bunch of pain in your life, like there like there are still like positive steps to take toward putting yourself in a good mindset you don't have to be like you were saying the miserable prick at the table who when he busts out he throws his money at the dealer and says give me chips like you don't have to be that guy you know (laughs) like 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 and you're still gonna have losing sessions but if you're in a positive headspace you can handle them better and you can bounce back from them quicker yeah everybody has losing sessions how do you handle yours yeah are you gonna take it for what it is it's part of the game you know, I, I it's funny. I quoted this yesterday. I can't believe one of my favorite quotes is from a freaking Batman movie, but it is. It's, it's <laughs> wait, hold on. Which Batman movie? It's from the. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's the Dark Knight or which? Oh, okay. no, the first one, Batman Begins, the Christopher Nolan series. Yeah, the Christopher yeah. Nolan series, where uh, little Bruce Wayne falls down the well. Okay, and his dad's got to like spelunk down there to get him. Why do we fall down? Yeah, to pick ourselves back up, and that's that's bombing on stage. That's having a losing session in poker, sometimes you're going to walk away and know exactly what you did wrong. Sometimes you're going to walk away and go, that's poker. I played the best poker I could play today. It's just, uh, this is the way poker goes sometimes. Sometimes you play your best and you lose. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go be miserable because of that? No, you chose to play this game. Take it for all that it's worth. Take all that comes with the game, losses and wins. If you're losing more than you're winning, we got a fucking problem. Getting pissed off about it isn't going to fix it. Sitting back, analyzing, assessing, 
fixing what is wrong, getting better at what you're not that good at, focusing on what you are good at. We forget that. Too often we forget it. Focus on what you're good at. Reinforce that behavior in your brain. And it's like you do those things and you have a better chance at getting better at the game. Yeah. Just knowing that it's part of the game. Like if you, because you, every time you win a hand, what does that mean? That means someone else has to lose a hand, right? right? And that person isn't just going to be like, oh, you've got the best hand. Well, here are my chips. Right. That person in his mind has to believe that his hand is better than your hand. That's why he got involved in the first place. But if you're always winning and they're always losing, that dude's not going to play. Right. And the game uh, will just crumble. (laughs) So you have to be on the winning end some of the time and you also have to be on the losing end some of the time in order for this game to work yeah we, like, don't, know, we don't know how to lose look at look at hand you you have to be the loser sometimes like everybody at the table gets a chance to win like that's the beauty of the game like like no matter at what skill level experience level everybody at that table gets an opportunity to win now it's up to them to figure out when that opportunity is and make the most of it but if you're complaining because oh, i lost a couple hands and I should have won those hands. Like, no, you shouldn't have. Like, up to like who who gets to decide that? Nobody gets to decide that except for the cards. But you you have to be okay with being on the losing end sometimes. Uh, who's the richest investor in our lifetime right now? Like Warren Buffett. Yes. Okay. He's made some fucking shit ass investments through his <laughs> career, and he's the biggest richest investor in probably the history of the world. And let's say he picks right 60% of the time. I'm making that up. I don't know. I would be curious to look up Uh what his success to failure rate is. But uh, look at a baseball player. Three out of 10 times, you're good at what you do. (laughs) And you're an all-star, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So um, they're okay with not doing good the other seven times. You got to be okay with some of your losses. I'm not saying all of them. Some of them, you got to walk away and be like, oh my God, what the fuck did I do? I'm horrible. I <laughs> like really played like shit. I got to fix this. But uh, what it does to you mentally, getting mad, throwing shit, get, you know, letting it ruin your day or days in a row. And then you carry that to your next session. Like that you got to get rid of. Like, again, look at it like a business and non-judgmental emotionally. Like I'm making business decision. What what did this player? Don't even look at yourself anymore. What did that player, Tony Valley? What did he do wrong just now? I got to analyze this guy's game, and remove the emotion from it because the emotion, it's not helping you. It's not, it's not motivating you to be better. It's not, it's not doing any good for you. It's just taking a brain space that could be working on fixing the problem. Well said. Yeah. I don't know. We're uh, we're at about <laughs> wrap up time. Uh, we got a big season planned. Uh, we're going to do more interviews. We're going to get Nick Woolworth back in studio because he wrote another book and it's selling a lot of copies. It looks like on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, rumor has it, he wrote a second book just so he could be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's exactly why he wrote the book. So, uh, we're going to get him on next week, uh, if his schedule permits it, but he's definitely coming up. Um, we are going to sit down with the uh, with uh, Matt Schultz from It's Been Done Before, the movie sequel podcast on Jester Radio Network, and we're going to do the Stu Unger story, the one with Michael Imperioli. Sweet. Love that movie. Um, probably going to do another book review or two, but we got, uh, we got more interviews planned, uh, and uh, we're just really excited. We're also doing Patreon, for those of you who don't know what that is. We're going to be doing bonus episodes. 
bonus footage, uh, all that stuff will be on the Patreon page. It's a subscriber service. Um, it's going to be commercial free too. So the, uh, the free episodes up on iTunes, we're still going to do four a month, but, uh, those will have the commercials in them and the ones on Patreon will be commercial free. So, uh, Dave, you got anything before we go? Man, it's just been fun to be back in the studio. Like this is it's a good feeling to come here every time and I know. chat with you about poker. It's I, awesome. I promise we're going to get into poker like on the next the, the rest of the season. We're going to talk about poker, but like I felt like we needed to catch up. Of course. It's been 4 months since we've really had a conversation. I mean, we've talked at the whip at open mic, but we haven't sat down and got into it. So we needed to catch up and uh I feel like our listeners deserve to know where the hell we've been and uh that's all. And I mean, even when we don't talk about poker, it still f- comes back full circle to I, it. I feel like they, yeah, life translates poker. Poker translates you know, life. Like that's the beauty of this podcast. Like we did not want to be the kind of podcast that, that was hand analysis. Tips and tricks, you hand know? analysis. We didn't yeah. want to talk about poker news, what's happening in the poker world. Like we want no. to get into the nitty, like philosophy of this game. Right. And I think we're doing it well, man. It's, it's really cool. Being back and uh, just seeing your life change just in the past six months. It's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Got a daughter. It's awesome. You're like the whip is doing well. Uh, everything's been been just smooth sailing and on the up. So thanks. Really happy for you, man. It's well, really you, exciting. You too. You're ring shopping. So uh, <laughs> look, looking forward to watching that develop over the season. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be an interesting journey. All I'm right. excited for it. All right, you guys. I uh, hope you guys are have been playing good poker and. Uh, being right-minded that's all i hope everyone's happy out there have a joyous day i gamble on your love baby and got a losing hand i gamble on your love baby yes and got a losing hand Changing like the shifting desert sand. While I was playing fair, baby, you played a cheeky game.
Fun. Oh, I pressed stop.